The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. We're finishing up this series, Grace at Work, today. 17 weeks working through the book of Ephesians. And uh, Paul's given us some final instructions, some final greetings. And uh, this is kind of bringing the cap to this grace at work because these final instructions are vital for us to live the life that we've been tracking through in Ephesians. This, this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus was broken down into the first three chapters and the second three chapters of here's what God has done in your life. Now your life changes as a result of God's grace at work in your life. And it happens continually that when God uncovers more, there's more revelation, there's more grace that I see in my life, and the closer I draw into him, it changes things in my life. Um, If I try to change him, I'm trying to manage my behavior, but this interaction with God's grace and his Holy Spirit working in me tends to lead this change that is more sustainable. And Paul talks about this grace changing our marriages, changing our families, changing how we engage the workplace and relationships in the church and outside of the church. Last week, we went into these final instructions where he said, you're warriors and you are on the battle. You have to engage in the battle. You cannot be neutral. There is no neutrality in spiritual warfare. And, And God said, you are either for me or you are against me. And these final instructions Paul is giving really tends to, it's not new information. It's really kind of tying it up of saying the way that you live this life that grace has bought and paid for and is equipping you in, you have to stand firm in the, in the power of God. It has to be the power of God at work in your life. If you try to do it under your own power, you will not be able to sustain this life that God has called you to. He calls us to submit to him and humble ourselves to him so it's his power at work in us. And so let's, let's look at these. I'm going to finish reading the book of Ephesians, and then we're going we're gonna to come back and look at this, this gear that, that God has given us. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, that's praying for the saints, And also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are 
and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So the scene is you've got Paul in chains writing this letter. And he's saying, this is the life that God has called you to live. And, and as he's chained to a Roman guard, he's got to start thinking about how this armor equates. And so he's going through this list. And, and this is this battle gear that God gives us. There's two commands that Paul gives us at the beginning of this passage. The first one is in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord. That's knowing that our power comes from God. That it, he has to be that source of it. Because our strength, honestly, when we feel like we've got it, our strength can become a liability. If you've had kids about that three-year-old mark, they, they hit this um, independence streak, we'll call it. And they, they, you're trying to help them and they look at you and they go, I do it. I look at them like, you can't even say a complete sentence. You think you're going to tie your shoe? But we get that way with God. Sometimes our strength becomes a liability. When we think, I got this, God, God's just like, oh, really? <laughs> this will be fun. I'm here to help you. I do it. Okay. It, it, it's not a problem to declare a weakness in God because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And he sees us through. And then Paul says the second command that he gives us is put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say put on pieces, you know, take up some of the armor. He said put on the whole armor of God. And, and this begins to be this battle gear that we see that God has given us so that we can protect the vulnerable areas of our life in this battle that we face. Because here is the reality. We are always in a battle between this present darkness and God's forces. There is light and darkness. I mean, however you want to term it, there's good and evil. You and I are in this battle. And if you are submitted to Christ, that's the way you're on the side of victory. It's saying, God, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my King, my Commander. He's already secured the victory, but we have battles yet to fight. And, and, and here's the, the reality that we have to understand. Everywhere that God is building up in our life, that, that grace is at work in our life and we're building and we're getting, we're, we're being more and more equipped in the power of God. We're drawing closer into the heart of God. You've got to understand the enemy is blasting every opportunity he has. Where God wants to build you up, the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants you dead. And, and, and when you think about this I think about this concept of spiritual warfare, like medieval warfare sometimes, that on the battlefield, you have the king in the center of the battlefield, and then you have the soldiers lined up next to him. And here's what the enemy knows. If I can take out the king, then the rest of the army is going to scatter. So all of the, the arrows and attacks are at God, but the closer we draw into God, so if we're over on the battlefield and we're just kind of, I don't know about this faith thing, man, I'm just, I'm saved, but you know, I just, I'm going to hang out. I don't want to fight in this. You're, you're like the, the wallflower, like, we'll just see what happens. I think, I think Jesus is going to win. You know, you might even be like 20 on Jesus, man. <laughs> Say, what are the odds on Jesus? 
And then what happens is grace wakes us up. And we start, we start, we start going from an apathetic stance to more of a battle stance. And we draw closer in to the heart of the king, closer in to God, closer in his grace, closer in his mercy, closer into the power filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's happening if the king is in the middle, all those arrows are coming in, man. So we're going to face attacks. And he gives us this armor to protect our vulnerable areas. The first thing he tells us to put on is the belt of truth. I mean, this, this is surrounding ourselves with truth. And we have, we have a real challenge in our society. We're a connected generation. I mean, we can, we can Google anything and get some kind of information. But what are we using to determine what is right and true in our world, in our homes, in our families? I mean, some of us follow the opinions of people we respect. Most people don't believe what they believe about the Bible because they've studied it. It's because someone has told them what to believe. That's why I want you to have a copy of the Word of God. That's why I, that's why I want you following along in this. I want you in the Word. I, I want you in it daily, surrounding yourself with truth. If, if we really believe this is the Word of God, why are we not devouring every bit of it? Why? I mean, because here's the reality when we think about this this belt of truth and surrounding ourselves of truth. The Word of God establishes what is truth, and it's the integrating force in a victorious life. Satan's first attack on humanity was an attack on the truth of the Word of God. Did God really say that? Most of us uh, fall into this trap that the enemy wants to get us in where we either doubt or neglect God's Word. So if the enemy can say, did God really say that? He's planted doubt. Like, I don't know if God really said that or not. I mean, some of y'all moms, like the cleanliness next to godliness, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> now, you, you could really take your kids to school and be like, you know, you, the Bible speaks against a sluggard mentality. You're going to get up and work. Go clean that room. Or I'll go Old Testament on you. That's what I heard in my house. I don't know what you say in your house. But. but he starts to plant doubt. If we don't know truth, we're going to start to doubt. But here's what happens. The enemy gets most of us to neglect the word of God. I mean, it's just like, oh, I, just, I don't have time to read it. I don't want to study it. I, don't. I mean, if we really believe that, that our king and commander, our creator, our Lord, our savior, that this is a way into his character and this is his word and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, why are we not just falling over ourselves to spend every moment in this word. I'm speaking to me too. It's a challenge because the enemy's attacking us and he's attacking us in the area of truth. Why aren't we making it a priority? Surrounding ourselves with truth. The breastplate of righteousness. This, this breastplate covers our vital organs. And, and what we need to learn from this is, that, is to saturate every part of our lives with obedience to God. Because that cuts off the opportunities for the enemy to attack. It, when you think about it, the, the enemy is hunting you. He is stalking you. He's going to focus on the areas that are most vulnerable. He's going to watch to see what areas of our life are not completely surrendered to God. And that's where he's going to fire. That's where he's going to come in. That's where he's going to send all hell against you. I mean... We, we all 
have to take stock of our life and kind of do kind of just a, an assessment and ask ourselves, what area have I not fully surrendered to God? You know, a lot of, a lot of us have trouble fully submitting our finances to God. Now, here's a lot of baggage around money in church. Church is a jacked up place, by the way, because of people. And I, I'm at the front of that line. And we all carry some baggage about money in church. I mean, maybe a pastor's betrayed you in the past. Maybe a ministry didn't operate in full accountability with the funds that they were given. Maybe you just don't see the point. Here's the reality. If we're unwilling to fully submit our finances to God, the enemy's going to fight us in that area. In our marriage, I just don't know if God can fix my marriage. That's like a three-year-old saying to the parent, I do it. God's like, you, you don't even have the power to love. And you're saying, I can't help you? What area of your life is most vulnerable? When we were kids, we used to go in the woods and play, are there young, there's young kids, play water guns. Um, and what you do when you get in kind of a stalemate you would try to convince your friend to, to show himself. They're like, hey, just run across there real quick. And they'll shoot at you. And when they shoot at you, I'll shoot at them. You're trying to get somebody exposed, right? That's what we're doing with the enemy when we're not fully surrendered to God. We're like, hey, 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 here's my finances. Come on, take a shot. You know, here's my thought life. Here's, here's my habit. Just come on, see if you can get me. That's the reality that we face. And, and, and this idea of this righteousness that covers us, it's the righteousness of God that covers us and covers our vital organs. And we have a positional righteousness in Christ. When we surrender our life to him and, and, and declare him as Lord and Savior and we become a Christian, we do that by submitting to him as Lord and Savior. We have this positional righteousness, but unless that translates to practical righteousness in our life, we're going to continue to leave the door open for Satan to attack. We're going to continue to leave the doors open for the enemy to come in and either possess the house with mastery or come in and raise all kinds of hell. And we've got to have the areas of our life guarded and protected. He says the shoes of the gospel. This is interesting because, you know, Paul said, stand firm. So our shoes, our feet are vital. But, but he also, we also have to understand that our feet carry us into battle. And what's interesting about this is like, we're, we're talking fight language, right? I mean, we're, 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 this, is, this is like rally the troops. It's time to fight. Here we go. And then he says the gospel of peace. What are you talking about? You want me to fight or be at peace? He's saying you fight with peace. That this gospel, this good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done brings peace to our life. Think of it this way. The best way to overcome Satan is sharing the gospel with all people at all times. Why? What are we doing? Well, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. 
And so those who are in Christ are of the kingdom of light. And what's beautiful is we step into the darkness. The darkness cannot penetrate the light. So we're pushing it back. We're pushing it back. And what we're doing is we're going into the darkness and we're saying, hey, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live under the authority of the enemy where he's creating strongholds in your life, where he's got you so wrapped up in addiction, where he's got you so wrapped up in his lies, he's got you so wrapped up in his loss that you don't have to live like this, that the God who created you, Jesus is our savior who came to earth to fight this battle for you. And he won this battle. He he was crucified on a cross. He defeated the enemy. He was laid in a tomb. He descended into the darkness and defeated death, defeated hell, and he walked out with the keys. You don't have to live like this anymore. There is freedom that God brings to your life. There's peace that God brings to your life. And what happens is when they say, I'm ready to live in peace. I want to be awakened to life. I, I don't ever want to be like this. It doesn't mean your life gets perfect. It doesn't mean that the storm that you're in may change. But peace of God brings a new perspective to your struggles because you are now fighting it with the light and the life of Christ instead of the hopelessness and despair of the darkness. You think about it this way. We're beating, we're kicking Satan's teeth in by recruiting people from his own team. People he's locked up, locked away. I've got this person separated from God. Let's go get them. People will never believe a gospel that they've never heard. That's why a team's going to Canada. That's why a team's going to Nicaragua. That's why every week I want you to know who Jesus is. I want Jesus to be made clear because there's people in your neighborhood that will never believe a gospel if they don't hear it. There's people that you go to school with, that you work with, that will never believe in the name of Jesus if you don't tell them who Jesus is. We've all been hurt. We've all been wronged. But we don't fight against people. When we go in the gospel and we make reconciliation and peace with people, man, we look more like Jesus than ever before. Because we're extending the peace the same way he did. The shield of faith. The shield of faith... um, The flaming darts that Paul talks about were the lies of the enemy. I don't know if y'all saw the news this week, but the, I think it's America's Got Talent. The guy got shot in the neck with a flaming dart. <laughs> that, was that his wife that did that? We wouldn't be married if that were the case. <laughs> you know, I, no, no way. I wouldn't even let Heather put a flaming dart in a flaming dart gun. <laughs> it, it was pretty awesome. I saw, the, I saw it on the news. And he, he looked at her like, you just shot me. Well, you asked me to shoot at you, but I don't have perfect aim. I'm so glad that happened this week because it fits perfectly with the shield of faith. I mean, he's all right. So it's funny now. Like as soon as it happens, it's not funny. And then when you realize he's okay, it's funny, right? So we can agree on that. There's been enough time and he's well enough that it's funny. But the enemy is constantly shooting flaming darts at us. And those are his lies. And what Paul is saying is we are to hide behind the shield of faith so that it can extinguish the lies of the enemy. 
Because what's going to happen is as we go through life, the enemy's going to start to lie to you. He's going to say, you're not worthy of God's love. God has forgotten you, that God doesn't exist. If God exists, then the suffering that we see in the world wouldn't happen. If God was real, then he would show himself to you in a way that's very tangible. If God was real, you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. If God really loved you, he wouldn't have left you. If God really loved you, you wouldn't have lost your job. If God really, and so go down the list of the lies that the enemy just starts pounding us with. And instead of us trying to answer those lies, then here's what we do. We hold up the shield of faith and we let our faith take those darts. Where do we get this faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord or hearing by the word of Christ. So what happens is surrounding ourselves with truth. And what happens when the enemy starts to lie to us, God doesn't love you. Oh, man. Well, the truth says that there's no greater love than this, that God so loved me that he gave his life for me, that there is nothing that can separate me from the power of God and the presence of God. If I, make, if I go to the heights, God, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, God, you're there. There is nothing that can separate me from your power. You loved me before I even came to you. You loved me when I was a mess and I was a jacked up sinner and you gave your life for me. That's what faith tells us. Jesus would tell people in, the, in, when he, in his ministry, your faith has made you whole. Where does this faith come from? It comes from Jesus. He's like, I'm giving you the faith so you can give it back to me so it can make you whole. And what happens is when the enemy starts attacking us, we just kind of, boom, we raise up that shield of faith. I don't, try to def- I don't try to argue with the enemy and his lies. That's why gossip is, is, is so just a beating in society. And it's in church. It's in your neighborhoods. You just look at Facebook. I mean, that's just, that's just taking that to a whole other level. I'm just saying. But when you start trying to chase every lie... To fix it, you're going to exhaust yourself. Surround yourself with the truth and raise up that shield of faith. Because the enemy cannot argue with God. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness? He was hungry. Forty days, forty nights, he had fasted. The enemy comes to him and says, Jesus, if, you're really, if you really have this power, you're really who you say you are, command those stones to turn to bread. What did Jesus say? He, he, didn't, he didn't get into an argument with Satan. He just said, the word of God says man will not live on bread alone. Boom. It, it's just like your children when you tell them to stop arguing. You tell them, just ignore the other one. He'll stop. <laughs> the enemy is just trying to get you riled up. And when you put up the shield of... The, okay. This is a stupid example, but it's going to fit. It's talk to the hand. And when you tell the enemy, hey, 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 shield of faith right there. Talk to it. I ain't hearing it. Ain't getting past that. Just do what you want to do. When, you, when you're done, when you're done acting a fool, you just go on about your business. Now, he will shut up because he can't argue with God. But he's going to come back with something else. That's why breastplate of righteousness. Cover yourself, cover yourself, cover yourself. Hold up that shield of faith. Then he's, he tells us the, the helmet of salvation. This covers our head, and, and, and what we need to understand is let the grace of God saturate our minds. The mind is a funky place. It's a battlefield. 
and we take these different trains of thought. I mean, have you ever, have you ever done this thing? Maybe it's just me, but I'll, I'll end up, I'll be thinking about something and I'll think, how did I start thinking about this? And you kind of take that train backwards to the station. We get on a lot of trains of thought. And when the grace of God saturates our mind, it keeps us from getting on some of the wrong trains. I mean, you, you, know, you know where your thought life tends to go. Some of y'all are, please don't go there, Matt. We're going to let God be God. But he's going to go there. You know your trains of thought. This helmet of salvation brings us back to the salvation in Christ who transforms our heart, renews our mind. He begins to give us the mind of Christ for us to think on things that are holy and pursue things that are noble and worthy. When the lies get past the shield, we have to have this helmet. When the flaming dart hits your neck, you think, where did that come from? We need our heads protected. This is that reconciliation. See, when we surround our truth, David prayed to God. He said, let me so hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let your word so drive my soul that it changes how I think. And this is that reconciliation of the head and the heart that we know truth and we begin to reconcile and follow and believe the truth. That helmet covers us, covers your ears so when the enemy is screaming at you, he's, the helmet of salvation is drowning it out. No, 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 God's grace is bigger. God's love is bigger. You know, there's nothing, God can't forgive you for that. There's nothing that God cannot forgive you from. There's nothing that is more powerful than the blood of Christ and the forgiveness that washes our life. David also prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Put that helmet back on. There's joy in that salvation, and you fight. And then the offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit. This is the Word of God surrounding ourselves with truth, but the Holy Spirit who begins to work this Word in our heart. And it's, it's beautiful because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and draws us to repentance. I mean, here's the thing. When I preach, I'm preaching to me. And some of y'all in the lobby and throughout the week after is like, man, that, you got me with that message. I didn't get you. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't blame me. I mean, here's what happens. I come up, I'm, I'm a, my responsibility is not, I, I'm not here to convict you of your sin. You know what your sin is. I don't need somebody telling me every week what my sin is. I need somebody telling me how to deal with it. I need somebody telling me that God is bigger than it. I need somebody telling me that this Jesus can take this and transform my mind, renew my heart, and I don't have to be in this bondage of this sin any longer. I don't have to live in this prison that the enemy wants to keep putting me in. I need somebody to tell me the good news, not the bad news. 
I'm going to every week, week in and week out, until God takes the preaching breath out of me, I'm going to preach to you the truth of this word. I'm going to make Jesus clear. I'm going to love you through it, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do his work in you. Now, what happens is when I'm doing that, the sword of the Spirit's at work in this room. The sword of the Spirit's at work in your small groups when you're together. And what, it, 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 This is a beautiful sword. It's not like, it's not like a, a, a physical sword that the more you use it, the more dull it gets. This one, the more you use it, the sharper it gets. And it's not meant to cut flesh. And we don't chase people down with the sword of the Spirit. We let the sword of the Spirit cut to the heart. And he begins to circumcise those areas of the heart. That's cutting off the things that keep us from looking and acting like Jesus. And this has to be a part of the fullness of the armor of God. Because God isn't going to give you the sword of the Spirit unless you've got the belt of truth to hang it on. Otherwise, you're going to leave a lot of people wounded in your path. And God said, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about wounding people. I'm about getting to the heart, cutting to the heart of the matter, and seeing sin dealt with and repentance come to. Use this we- Be proficient with this weapon. You give a soldier or a law enforcement officer their weapon, the prayer is, I pray I never have to use this. But if I do, I'm going to be right on. We've got to get proficient in this weapon. How do we do that? Through prayer. Communication in prayer. If I, I googled a bunch of the armor of God and it all looked like the medieval stuff. You know, like I thought I was about to send a Facebook message to see who had a suit of armor that I could borrow this weekend. But I doubt you would have it in my size. But I doubt you'd have it. Well, I don't know. Side note. But I, I, I think of like modern warfare. I think of like SEAL Team 6. I mean like duty belt is the belt of truth. You know, they got, they got on the tack boots of the gospel of peace. They got on uh, Kevlar body armor for breastplate of righteousness. You know, they're carrying whatever weapon they've got. They've got the helmet but they also have the communication device. And they can be in constant communication with their leadership. So there's an overwatch that's watching them in this mission. They might be flying the predator drone, but they're like, I can see your position. I can see your location. Here's what you need to be watching for. And they're in constant communication. They're in constant communication with the team. Where are you at? I'm on this flank. See, none of us in this battle, in this, this spiritual battle, are designed to be a, a lone ranger. We're designed to be a fighting force, a warrior group standing together under the authority of our king and commander and in constant communication with him. Prayer should never be a last option. It should always be the first action. What do you do? We pray. We're going we're to bring the power of God into this situation. The other day I went to pick up Tammy and Mark from the airport and then the kids when they flew in from vacation and I got outside of my neighborhood on the access road and I was like, I had a bunch of calls I needed to make and I was like, I forgot my phone. Have you ever done that? I, I, I felt like my heart was going to stop beating. I mean, like, it's like, huh, huh, what do I do? What, and I started, what do I do if I have a flat tire? What am I going to do? I can fix my tire. What do I do if I come up on an accident? I don't have a way to call now. What, how am I going to let, how am I going to, then I started really thinking, how am I going to find them at the gate? 
I don't know what gate they're coming in because they're texting it to me. And I, then I'm praying, Lord, give, give me just recall a memory. Help me, Lord, remember what, just get me close to the gate. I hate leaving my phone at home. I hate being out of communication. We should be so connected in prayer. It's second nature. People are like, well, I don't have time to spend five hours in a closet in the morning in prayer. Don't. Paul says, watch and pray. Be alert. I pray like this. God, show me. I'm driving. God, show me. Show me. Talk to me. Let's talk here. I'm talking to him, but communication, two-way street. Listen. Receive God's word. Let him speak to you. He's speaking to you. He's not going to scream at you. He's a still, small voice. So, these are the weapons of our warfare. These are, this is our battle gear. So let me ask you, what's your battle? What are you fighting today? Maybe it's that area of your life that you haven't fully surrendered to God, or maybe the enemy is just, he's attacking, he's attacking, and he's attacking. And let me just tell you something. You have equipment, you have weapons to fight the enemy and you don't walk in the flesh. I love what, what Paul told the church in Corinth. He said, although we're in the flesh, we don't war against the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What Paul is saying is, you've been equipped to go fight the battle. Go fight it. There is no power in hell that can stand against the power of God. When we start fighting, when we start realizing that the weapons of our warfare are mighty to pull down strongholds, strongholds in our lives start to fall. The addictions that we struggle with, the, the, the patterns of our life that we constantly find ourselves in, when we, when, we, when we suit up, we kid up, and we get in there and we engage, those things start to fall. That fear that we're walking around with, it seems like it's a societal epidemic is fear in our society. That begins to fall when we stand in with the Holy Spirit and we say we're going to engage in this. It's time for us to fight. I don't know what your battle is, but the Holy Spirit does. Maybe the battle's in your mind. You have the power to take those thoughts captive. We don't quit. We don't back down. We keep pressing in because darkness cannot overtake the light. We keep pressing in because the enemy doesn't have the authority in your life. We keep pressing in because there are people in bondage and darkness and hopelessness that need the freedom that comes from Christ. We keep pressing in because we will press on until we see the glory of God fully revealed. So what's your battle? It's time for us to fight it. You're not alone. Are you tired? You look around you. You've got people that are going to stand in the gap with you and continue to fight. I love you, and I'm ready to fight with you. Let's go do it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your grace. 
that, that your grace is a constantly at work in our life. Your grace does change us, but your grace calls us to fight. And through your grace, you've equipped us in this. You don't just say, go. You fully equip us. So I pray that everyone in this room this morning, everyone in this room this morning, that you give them just an assessment where they said, Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do. Assess their life. Show them what areas are not fully surrendered to you. And maybe there's some in this room that one of those areas, maybe you've never surrendered your life with Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, your King, your Commander. And the Holy Spirit's working on you. It's not me. It's not my words. It's the power of God at work in you through the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you don't have to live in this bondage. You don't have to live in this darkness anymore. That God loves you. That God gave his son for you. And that he was resurrected. And he has the power to bring a new life to you. He has the power to bring a peace to your life that is a fullness of reconciliation with God as your father. And if that's you, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to challenge you to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm surrendering all of me for all of you, and I'm asking you to change me. And then I'm going to ask you to come and speak to one of these prayer team members at this altar and just say, I'm, I'm ready to fight. And I need help being equipped. God, for the rest of us, those of us who have professed our faith in you as our Lord and Savior, I pray that you get us off of the side of the battlefield, out of the laziness and apathy, and get us into the fight. Draw us in. Protect us. Guide us. Let it be your power at work in us. Help us to stand firm and to wear the full, the whole armor of God. We love you and we thank you for calling us to walk in victory. Now we'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.